Hello. Hey, Bobby. Kevin here. How hey. are you? Can you I'm hear doing me? Doing fine. Doing fine. Yes, I can hear you. I can hear you. I don't know what happened when we first started. <laughs> yeah, I had I had some microphone issues. I think. Don't worry. Okay, then. Cool, cool, cool. And how you doing today? I'm doing good, bro. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm sitting here reading your bio. I've been reading for the last like two days, trying to get myself. God be just like you. You know how it is. Busy trying to get everything done. Plus, this has been a crazy two weeks. This <laughs> Mercury. This Mercury was a retrograde, and this shit is fucking legit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe. I believe you, man. I tell you, it, it's been a it's been a rough couple of years, but I mean. Uh, Damn, I mean, I, today I got to shoot a wedding after your, uh, after we do the radio show. Oh my God, most definitely, most definitely. And you are a photographer. You run a magazine company. You also an author, for what I understand, correct? Well, I'm working on my first book. I, I haven't published yet, but I'm working on my first book. Well, well, that, that makes you an author to me. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the book. Tell us about the book that you write. Well, the book is is basically about the story. It's like an autobiography of uh, my 41 years experience in photography and having contact in the adult industry since from New York to Brazil to Mexico. Been in Mexico yeah. for 20, 26 years now, and uh, I had a lot have a lot of experiences in Mexico, good and bad to to share. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and that that's basically the book. It starts out with a little bit about my. My life, uh, I, you know, I was German born, I was adopted and we were moved to the, to the US and uh, the adopted parents were alcohol, abusive alcoholics. <laughs> so yeah, it was a, it was a pretty tough uh, childhood, that, but you know, I mean, I, I overcame it. I found my way through and uh, unfortunately my sister who's also adopted, but from a different country, she mm. hasn't been able to get through it. And so she's, she's basically, suffering the effects of uh what would you call it uh, alcoholism that was inherited from my my family not by yeah. blood but you know by training you know you get trained yeah. to drink to solve your problems yeah and 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 that's the one thing about alcoholism is that people don't realize how much of a disease it is oh you i know, know. Because my father was an alcoholic, so I, I I definitely understand where you're coming from. Because because <laughs> man, yeah. I was I was on the I was on the road to being an alcoholic. I I knew it, uh, mm -hmm. and thank God, you know, when I was I guess around 24, 25, I woke up and I said, "Hey, I'm not going to do this anymore." Well, I woke up mm -hmm. not knowing how I got home. I was mm -hmm. I was at a I was at a party and for the for a magazine and. Uh, I mean, we did a lot of drinking. We did a little bit of 420, and uh, I just—I uh, don't remember how I got home. And then, Ooh. as time went on, I had little, like little flashbacks of driving mm -hmm. home on the interstate with one eye closed and my head out the window, trying to make sense out of the double solid line. You know, mm -hmm. so it—and that experience just like woke me up immediately. And I, I didn't touch a drop of alcohol for ten years. Mm. Well, shit. Well, you sat well. Mine was a dramatic. I just gradually just stop drinking and i'm more i'm a smoker i still do drink every now and then it's more of an occasional drinker but yeah, i don't I do never drink yeah I, I don't drink to get drunk like shit after two beers i'm good exactly exactly you know it's like there's a reason you know there's there's sometimes it's you know people just get drink get drunk to to forget or they get drunk yeah. to you know to get on with something but you know i mean that, that's not the solution the solution is to look for a 
a real solution to the problem and not alcohol or drugs. I mean, for that matter, yeah. whether you eat or whether you're, whether you're, you know, yeah. you're doing a couple of, you know, hits on uh, some Coke or something, you don't, you don't want to, you know, it's not the solution. Yeah. Actually, it's supposed to be recreation, not to make yourself feel better about life or anything, because it, because once you come down off the high, you still back to the same problems. Exactly. Exactly. So most definitely. So look, let me do these particulars so we can get this thing on the road, okay? Okay, let's go, bro. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Smokers Lounge here on Anchor, the perfect app for anyone who's trying to start their own podcasting career. All you got to do is download the Anchor app onto your phone or go to anchor.fm and get a profile today and start podcasting. Monetize that podcast and get it distributed to all the major networks, and all this is for free. I am your host, Kevin Arbor Supper Champ, aka the porn rap star. Y'all know what it is. Go to allmylinks.com to find my porn links, my social as well as my mutual links. That's right. You can find me everywhere with one link at allmylinks.com backslash porn rap star. We're also sponsored by the Facebook of the LS community. You know what I'm talking about. LSworld.com. Go there today and start your journey or continue your journey to the life of the kinks. I'm talking about from BDSM to swinging to polyamorous poly polygamy you name it anything that's kink that's the best place to go to get your shit started also we are the proud member of the gw podcast network i talk about multiple podcasts giving you the black experience plus while you're there experience shopping from over 500 black retailers i'm talking about black owned shops and boutiques that sell their stuff online through shopgwdistrict.com buy black support black businesses so create the black economy, so create generational wealth. Also, every Monday night, Monday Night Smoke on K97FM, the adult radio station, or a.k.a. the radio station for the porn stars. Every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, excuse me, Central Standard Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Every week you get to hear me interview or talk to a lovely lady or gent from the adult industry. Also, because this is not subscriber-based episode, subscribe to hear extra content from the Smokers Lounge for four ninety nine a month. I'm talking about two extra, two to three extra episodes a week. Name a podcast is going to give you that. You can find it on Spotify or Anchor, or if you're on any other platform, just hit the link that says subscribe. Go there, subscribe for four ninety nine, and enjoy the special smoke that I'm giving you for that nice price. And I'm talking about you getting a lot. Think about that. You're talking about three episodes a week, four weeks. You're talking about 12 extra episodes on top of the three that I give you every week. You can't beat that with a stick. So subscribe today to Smokers Lounge. Now I'm going to sit back and let this man introduce himself. Thanks, Bobby. Hey, great intro there, buddy. Um, Thank you. My name is Kevin. I'm a professional photographer. Uh, I'm from I'm from New York, uh, you know, born and raised in New York, uh, schooled in New York, worked in New York for a while, and then uh, 26 years ago to Mexico. Um, mm-hmm. I've been uh, been working as a professional photographer in Mexico for mm-hmm. what, 26 years, in many genres, from fashion to editorial to um, to nude art to erotica to porn. I've done a little bit of everything in in my life to whatever it takes mm-hmm. to make money, whatever it takes to live. You know, you do that. And 
So, you know, I, I basically, you know, I came on to share a little bit of my experience here in the, in the industry, as well as a little bit of my story about the book I'm writing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's going to be a while before that book is done because I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to flow, bro. I really don't know how it's going to flow, but I'm trying to write it like chronic chronological right now, but it just seems too boring. So uh, I, I'm going to work that out. And then, you know, I, and how I got connected to starting a magazine. I mean, the magazine's been running now. It'll be 15 years in February. On February sixteenth, we'll celebrate fifteen years online. Started out as a thank you. Started out as a website magazine, you know, similar to mm -hmm. like the design of like CNN or something like that. Kind of had a news feed, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, and a little bit of that. And I started it to help out the models and the escorts and the the girls that were trying to get into porn, hot wives, swingers, swinger clubs, and stuff like that. That was mm -hmm. the whole start of it because I had a lot of clients that were from different areas of the adult industry whether it was from porn because porn in mexico was really virgin back in 2007 and you know, there mm -hmm. were no por real porn producers here or anything and um, mm -hmm. the escort business was probably the largest part of my business you know photographing the girls so that they could upload their content to you know mm -hmm. escort websites and stuff like that was that was probably the biggest uh, mm -hmm. part of my business for so many years uh, after shooting uh, travel and shooting fashion and all that um mm -hmm. And then, you know, I moved, I moved to Mexico City. And when I got to Mexico, back, well, I moved back to Mexico City because I was in Cancun, moved to mm -hmm. Mexico City, uh, where the brunt of all the work was. And mm -hmm. uh, I was probably shooting maybe eight escorts a week, sometimes two or three at the same time that were friends that knew each other that referred me to them. And, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it was good. You know, we'd get them published on their websites that they wanted to be on. And then uh, we'd put them in the magazine. They, they'd get, you know, featured in the magazine and stuff like that. And then in 2015, we went digital. I mean, in 2014, we kind of made the decision. I had a girl who was an escort who was with me the whole the whole trip from 2007 to 2015. She was a key, a key player, I would say. Lizzie Sansep was a key player. We were good mm -hmm. friends. We traveled together. We did events together. Um, you know, I took her from being just an escort to being a an inter really an international name. I mean, we had people mm -hmm. from Italy, from Germany, from Holland you know, calling in on her WhatsApp, trying to, you know, get, make in touch with her, see how she was doing and buy her pictures and some videos and stuff that we did. Mm -hmm. And she stayed with me all the way through. And so in 2014, we decided to take it to a digital publicist and start publishing the magazine for mm -hmm. free on a free publicist. And that's where we started on issuu.com as a free publication. Typically mm -hmm. each, each edition was typically about 250 pages. Mm -hmm. And um, our new publisher calls it a, he calls it a, a photo magazine because we don't have all of those articles and stuff like that, you know, embedded in there. And you get maybe 12 or 13 pictures and then everything mm -hmm. else is writing about stuff, you know, and some stuff that, you know, people don't really give a shit about. They don't buy Playboy to read about the new Mercedes that's coming out. I don't yeah. care what anybody says. Nobody buys it for the articles. I did. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, I didn't buy Hustler. Well, I get it. Yeah, I, I didn't give a fuck about the articles. <laughs> exactly. You wanted, to, you wanted to check out the skin. So, mm -hmm. you know, I kept it, you know, to everything is full page photo, whether it's, you know, vertical or horizontal, it's full pages across. If it's, if it's horizontal, it's two pages across. If it's mm -hmm. vertical, it's one page. But, you know, I kept it to, ver to very simple. You might find, we'll find their names, their social networks, you know, where you can find their content, uh, like OnlyFans, many vids, X videos, whatever it may be. They're, they're in the magazine and they're clickable links which is great because mm -hmm. people that are reading online, they can click on the link and takes you right to the, to the girl's, uh, you know, bio. 
So it, it, it was pretty neat idea. And then uh, last year, 2020, with the pandemic and everything, um, everybody was encouraging me to go to a paid publicist, you know, look for a paid publicist. So I hooked up with Skin Mag, uh, Skin Mag from uh, Hustler. They're yeah. in uh, the Czech, they're actually in the Czech Republic. And uh, so I started publishing with them and we started selling through them. Um, the only thing is that because they handle so many big names, Playboy, Penthouse, Hustler, everything from Blair Publishing is on their website. We're the small guy. And so they don't give us a lot of they don't give us a lot of publicity. They don't do a lot of advertising for us. You go in, you, you, you go into the website and you see, you know, these big banners for Hustler and for Blair Publishing and everything. Mm-hmm. And we get one week of a simple banner across the top and maybe a mention in their newsletter once a month. So it's, it's, the sales have been really crappy. And then uh, last year I started negotiating with Zinio, which is in the UK. Um, and typically the publicist didn't want to deal with me because there was nude content. You know, there mm-hmm. was, there was uh, you know, dildo play, there was girls masturbating, there was girls on girls. Um, and we even had, you know, some, some uh, penetration by guys, uh, blow jobs, uh, cum shots and stuff like that. So the, the mainstream publicists really didn't want to, they didn't want to have us. And mm-hmm. so we worked, I worked with Zinio. I mean, the guy from Zinio was incredible. He just kept, you know, banging it out. He'd go, Look, can we do this? Can we do that? And I got up with them and the sales have been really good. I mean, they sell mm-hmm. by iTunes, they sell by Google Play, they sell, they sell mm-hmm. in all the, the major bookstores. So we have a lot of exposure from them. Although we don't get any, we don't get any front page publicity because it is an adult, you know, publication. Yeah. So you got to go into the adult area, and and again, we're next to Playboy and Penthouse and Hustler mm-hmm. and the rest of the mainstream porn magazines, which is mm-hmm. really why also we I changed the format a little bit. You know, it, we were really just an erotic magazine, and the nudity was explicit, but it wasn't pornographic, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But because of the competition and what we were facing with skin mags, they wanted us to present more videos uh, mm-hmm. in the magazine because the people can see online the videos in the magazine. And they wanted okay. us to be more explicit. So we we started taking stuff like I have a porn star in the UK, Tanya Virago. Tanya mm-hmm. does a lot. She does tons of hard, you know, hardcore stuff. She does, you know, three black cocks at once. Uh, you know, she's getting she's getting fucked by 10 guys. So, I mean, she's really not, you know, for the mainstream uh, area. So, I, you know, I mm-hmm. try to tone it down a little bit for one magazine and tone it up for the other one. And right mm-hmm. now I'm just trying to make a decision whether I'm going to continue with skin mags or not, because it's just there's not enough money there to keep, you know, to keep mm-hmm. floating. And, and on Zinio, if I focus my energies on Zinio, um, yeah, we don't have an explicit cover on Zinio. We have a, the same cover as Skin Mags, but we have the girl with her lingerie on her with, a, you know, with something mm-hmm. on that, that covers her. You know, it's a nice photo, but not, uh, not what you expect to find on a Skin Magazine. And then yeah. the inside isn't toned down. Everything inside is, is is as explicit as you would find on the other one. And the yeah. sales have been good. I mean, we've been happy with that. And now we're looking that next year, if the sales continue to grow, we grew 100% from June to July and then 100% from July to August. So the September stats, I'll get the end of October and I'll have an idea how we're doing. If we continue yeah. to grow, I'll do a monthly publication starting in um Starting in, in 2022, the January edition will be one of 12 instead of one of six. Mm-hmm. And then we do special editions. We have an inked girls edition for girls with tattoos. Because over my years here in Mexico in particular, 90% of my models are tattooed. They're inked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I wanted to ask you about the porn scene in Mexico. What uh-huh. does it look like? 
<laughs> well, I tell you, I was more embedded in it in 2015 because I was being invited by all the, the porn producers to, to work with them. But nobody mm -hmm. wanted to pay money. Everybody just wanted to pay commissions. So, yeah. you know, and you were like, okay, who's paying for this shit? You know? <laughs> Nobody's, yeah, paying for it. Nobody's paying for this shit. So, you know, why would I take a chance? And then, uh, so there were, at the time, there were probably three mainstream porn producers, none of which were, you know, good porn producers. The porn was, but, but there is one who's leading right now. And mm -hmm. he's the guy that does the that sex expo here in Mexico as well. Mm -hmm. And he, he, he's improved. He's bought a lot of equipment. He used to borrow a lot of my shit. Now he has his own equipment. Mm -hmm. I don't get invited anymore because, you know, he's doing <laughs> his own thing. And yeah. he's, and he's making, and he's making 40 grand every, every two weeks in sales, but no sales in Mexico. Because Mexicans don't buy porn. Yeah. No, yeah, nobody in Mexico does. How you said the Mexican porn scene, I was like, I didn't know that even existed. It, it does. Because all the girls from Mexico that want to do porn, they come to the United States. Not all of them, because not all of them are able to get a visa. You know, here yeah, in true. here in Mexico, what happens a lot of the a lot of times, and not just Mexican girls. I mean, I have a lot of Venezuelan girls who want to come to Mexico and do porn, but they can't even get a visa for Mexico, let alone for the U.S. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I mean, and they're absolutely gorgeous girls. I have a girl that's who was the cover of our inked girls edition this year she was the cover and she's a fitness model she's uh she she's you know incredibly pretty she's incredibly sexy body um she's all inked up she doesn't do mainstream porn but she wanted to come to the u.s with me and i'm i'm talking about andrina okay then i got you i'm, I'm looking there yeah, she wanted to come to the U.S. and uh, and do, uh, you know, like events and things like that. But she doesn't do – she's not into porn yet because here in Mexico, you know what they pay for a porn scene? Typically in Mexico, you'll get 300 bucks. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of girls here that are – they're hot wives, they're escorts, they're – they're in different areas of, uh, you know, other areas of adult porn, and they want to try it so they don't charge anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And so what happens is the producer got used to not paying the girls, you know, mm -hmm. so I, I, I brought a girl from, I brought a girl from Russia from actually from Siberia in mm -hmm. Russia. And, uh, she, she did two scenes with them and I got her $600 a scene, which mm -hmm. was, you know, for, for Mexico, that was, that was good. Yeah. I, mean, I was, I was, I was, I was pushing for a thousand, but you know, and she was an experienced porn star from Russia. She had done a lot of scenes with uh, legal porn and she had worked with uh, a mm -hmm. porn producer in Colombia as well. So she was, she was experienced and she, she appears in the magazine as well. And uh, you know, it, that was, that was my only good experience with the porn industry. And then there was a, another guy who came in and tried American guy tried to come into the porn industry in Mexico mm -hmm. Because he was handling the big guy. He was handling all the publicity for the big guy. Mm -hmm. So he, he dubbed himself, hey, I'm going to do porn. And he bought himself a little camera and he, you know, he started shooting girls and buying uh, videos, old videos from other porn companies that were no longer, you know, they were like 360 uh, <laughs> videos. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, so he started publishing that and he was hoping to get out of that, get money out of that. You know, mm -hmm. one of my girls, I took one of my girls that, that was living with me to him to, to shoot. And I mean, she was, she, you know, she wasn't anything spectacular, but she was, you know, she was 
very interested in the porn industry. And she went and uh, she filmed with them. They paid her 3,000 pesos, which is 150 bucks. And, uh, and they did photos and they did a video. And the porn star, the guy, didn't show up. So there was this cop that was hanging. They got him to do the scene with her. And I mean, he couldn't get it up. He, he couldn't get it up. And he, you know, it, it was nothing special. And, you know, it, it was just when they put it online, I was handling her career at the time. And when they put it online, I said, hey, you got to take that down. <laughs> There's no way I want that on the Internet. It looks horrible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah because... so they, they ended up taking it down. Yeah, because it seemed like to me uh, that the Mexican porn community is starting. And usually when it's the start of a community, it's going to be some amateur. It's going to be shit that ain't going to look as good or as polished, you know, period. Yeah. Um, with, with, with your photography, because you say you do, do shoot for a lot of the girls, the sex workers in Mexico. How much work do you get from them? Well, I used to get a lot. I haven't gotten, I, I haven't worked since 2018, um, okay. literally in the porn industry, li- literally in the adult industry. I've been really out of it. 2019, let's say I shot my last scenes at an exclusive location that a friend of mine that's a cinema, that's a cinema producer has mm-hmm. outside of Mexico city. I took a couple of girls up there and we did some shoots there on horseback. We did some shoots there in a ghost town. We did some shoots on horseback in a go in a cowboy town there in an old west style town. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that was the last thing I did. And I had a stroke after that. So I was kind of, uh, yeah, we came back on the 16th of September and, uh, we, uh, with two weeks after that, three weeks after that, I had a stroke, um, didn't know it was a stroke. I was trying to shake it off and, mm-hmm. uh, eventually found out that I, that I had had a, a mind and, mm-hmm. uh, so I started on my recovery, started on medication and working out hard, running and stuff, trying to get my equilibrium back. I lost some use of my left side. My fingers weren't working on the computer. So I didn't think mm-hmm. it was a good time to be booking people. Yeah, and then on yeah. Christmas Christmas Eve, I had a heart attack. So I was like a couple more months of uh, out of the business. And then uh, all of a sudden, pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So af- after that, uh, it was just uh, 2020 was dead, literally dead. So I, I did a lot of I had a lot of photographers from around the world that were contributing. And I fortunately also had a lot of models from around the world, the cam model industry and OnlyFans that were contributing content as well. And mm-hmm. uh, then again, now this year I started started back up with my with my own stuff. But I'm getting out of Mexico. I'm going to be moving back to the U.S. Uh, because the money's just not here anymore. I mean, when yeah. I was ma- when I was making a shitload of money, I mean, I was shooting six, six seven days a week sometimes shooting 30 models a week. And so it was shooting at the same time, lingerie catalogs from people also in the adult industry that I met at the sex show. I was doing sex toys. I was doing lingerie. I was doing clothing, you know, underwear commercials and stuff like that. So, I mean, the business was good all the way through um, until, uh, until things went bad in 2019. (laughs) Yeah. Pandemic changed a whole lot of shit. Yeah. And I moved, I moved out of the city. I'm up in the mountains now in a little cabin up here with a, I have a studio that I share with a wedding planner. <laughs> so yeah. I, I shoot, I shoot, yeah, I shoot local stuff in the, in the studio. Um, she keeps all of her stock and her inventory there. So um, for decoration and he, she's who I'm shooting for today. And uh, after this interview, but yeah, we, you know, 
it's been it's been a tough year. Now I'm really looking towards getting back to the U.S. and getting things back on track. Okay. Uh, in the beginning, I'll be by San Padre Island there in Texas, but mm-hmm. I I actually have a job lined up in Atlanta. So, okay. but well, now you're looking, you looking for some people to shoot. I got you covered, my brother, because I know a bunch yeah, of people. I'm looking for people to shoot, my friend. Most definitely. From the top of my dome, Princess Havoc, my girl Heidi Knight, um, Billy Pilgrim, you know, Samaj, they, shit, hell, it, it's a whole bunch of them. So I can put cool. you in touch with them most definitely. So cool. what got you into photography? Because me, myself, I'm a photographer myself. Uh, I was doing that before I even did porn. Exactly. Exactly. That's basically how it happened. I grew up with a camera. Uh, is basically mm-hmm. was a ca- I had a camera in my hand that my grandfather had left me when he died. It was a roll, what they call a Roloflex, medium format, um, used a 120 film. And uh, I, I was, I mean, I was 13, 14 years old. I was taking pictures at school, taking pictures, you know, around town at different events and stuff like that. And uh, everybody used to say I was born with a camera in my hand. And so mm-hmm. that, that was, it kind of was like something that was bred in. When I was, I guess, 17, I sold my first pictures uh, for a hundred dollars to an insurance company of a fire that I shot in, in uh, lower man, in lower Manhattan. Yeah. You know, I heard all the sirens and everything. So I grabbed my camera and I ran out and, and I shot a roll, you know, I shot a roll of, uh, of 10 and uh, the guy came, you know, one of the cops that knew me said, Hey, you guys, you know, you're uh you're this guy's interested in your pictures. Give him a call. So I called him up and he was like, I'll give you a hundred dollars for the 10. And I was like, wow, back in 19, you're talking about back in 1975, 1974, a hundred bucks was a lot for a kid. (laughs) You want to walk around with a hundred, you want to walk around with a hundred bucks in your pocket, you know, and you're 16 years old. That's good. So yeah, that was my first experience selling. So then I thought, Hey, this is what I want to do. You know, I was in the photography club in, in high school. I was in the AV club. I had a job in the high school over the summer doing um, shooting events and filming events with the director of the audiovisual department. And he was the one that actually got me a, a partial scholarship into school. Okay. He got me in because my parents weren't going to pay for college. They were like, you know, you're not going to college. You're going to be a cop. <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> actually, I'm not. So he got me a partial scholarship and uh you know, I, I ended up there in uh, the Center for uh, Media Studies, which is now a part of the New York University, mm-hmm. um, which was nice. You know, I got a four-year stint there and came out, and uh, I did an internship with um, a couple of uh, photography directors, directors of photography from movies. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you got Dean Kundi was one of them. He did yeah, Jurassic he did Park, the original yeah. Jurassic Park. Um, and he did. He also did Back to the Future too, and a couple others. Yeah. Uh, and there was there was a writer, another one that was a writer, producer, director that was, uh, um, what the hell was his name? Oh, Richard. <laughs> Sorry about that, Richard Crudo. I was having a, one of those blackouts from the stroke, and I was just like, Oh yeah, no, I, 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 need it. I get I get memories from time to time. Things hit me, and then I'll forget completely. You know, the train mm-hmm. of thought that I was on. So, and I was just thinking back, I mean, I, I actually have pictures with those guys, you know, at the things that we were doing. So it was, it kind of got me into the whole industry. And then at a show, I went to a photography show and I met the editor of um, Rolling Stone magazine and her, and her boyfriend. And she offered, yeah, she offered me a, well, I hit it off really good with her boyfriend. And uh, we were kind of two peas in a pot. I had long hair and a ponytail and a beard and so did he. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like it was a different look back in those days in New York, 
Yeah. Uh, you got you got you got to try to imagine the late seventies, early eighties in New York City. You know the yeah, mafia. Because, because, yeah, because I know that you was there when porn really started to pop off in the New York atmosphere. Back yep. Then. Yeah. It, it was. Yeah. It was just and. And it was still being sold on VHS, and you were still, you know, you were still going to the the sex theaters, yeah, sex yep. shops, yeah. Yep. You were there on Forty Second Street. You would go in, and, and they had peep shows. I mean, back in the mm-hmm. back in the and today in Mexico, you we have peep shows, and we have mm-hmm. live sex acts going on in cabins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, we do we do have an interesting ambiance, and a lot of escorts are in that going to the cabins and doing the live sex shows and also getting clients to pay them to, to have sex with them there uh, in the cabin. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the sex industry changed in Mexico back in and around 2016. The laws started changing and everything now became is becoming taboo. Being in porn in Mexico now is very dangerous because of a new law that they wrote that literally includes porn as being a crime. Damn. It promoting you have it. To Damn. What's that? Yeah, it's that's, that's, what, that's what I got, got to get out of here. Good. Yeah, they can they can they consider people that the in the in the law if you read it literally it says that you know uh, trafficking sex trafficking includes people that pr- you know promote or uh, or manage escorts uh, pornography you know film that is that because a lot of the porn or escorts in Mexico, they're trying to curb the sex trafficking, the sex trafficking, and the escort trade. So thus, they just looped in the porn industry. They they looped it in because I think that you know they had a bunch of really you know poorly fucked women that were running the the Congress at the time, you know. And and right now you know you got to imagine it. <laughs> yeah, they, they won't they, get they, no. They, yeah, they hadn't had a good boning in a lot of years, Bobby. I mean, that's what it was probably. But, you know, and the thing is that in, in Mexico, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, I, I don't like to speak about se- I do like to speak about sex trafficking because people need to be aware. You know, yeah, I've met I've met so many girls in the industry, in the escort industry, prostitution industry that were literally um, trafficked to Mexico or trafficked within Mexico to, per, to mm-hmm. work as sex workers. And then on mm-hmm. the other foot, another 50% that I know do it because they like it. It's yeah. something that they enjoy. And it's mm-hmm. not something to stop. My, my good friend, Elizzie, um, Elizzie is a content creator. She's on OnlyFans. She's got her own website that I built for her. Mm-hmm. She's got a whole bunch of stuff going on. And Elizzie does her own porn. She does her own you know stuff, shooting with her camera and stuff like that. And she's been doing it since she was 18. I mean, she's 40 now, almost 40. She's a beautiful, beautiful woman. And uh, she does it because she loves it. You know, and I think she's been through so many boyfriends and, you know, possible husbands because she doesn't want to give it up, you know, and she gets Mm -hmm. tired of all of the bickering about, you know, stopping it and and all that. So she, you know, she just changes boyfriends instead of changing jobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because to me, I think the biggest thing is like everyone to push the narrative that girls were forcing the porn that you know they we we you know what i'm talking about where they just make it seem like after a girl leaves the porn industry her life was just completely destroyed which is not the case a lot of these girls enjoy doing this business and make a career of it and retire from it and feel, oh yeah and, and, I, and go ahead. 
And I think that, they, you know, you have to note that there's a big difference between the porn industry and the uh, and the escort industry. I mean, there is yeah. a big difference because what happens is that in the porn industry, you've got mainstream porn stars, you've got new and upcoming porn stars. Mm-hmm. And um, then you have, you know, you have the escorts. And the escorts, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of trafficking with the escorts, not so much with the porn stars. And the mm-hmm. escorts that do get into porn, and, and there are a few that I've worked with that that have gone that route. They've gone with my my friend there in Mexico. And what ends up happening is, you know, you understand them a little bit better. You, you understand them a little bit better. They didn't work because it was something they, they enjoyed maybe, but it, it was a way to generate money and something that they enjoyed doing. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. some people enjoy sex. I mean, people, yeah. some people enjoy yeah, you know, it, it's just that's just that's just the way life is, you know. I mean, uh, my God, if I was thirty years younger, I mean, I I can't imagine what life would be like again. Um, but <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm telling you, Bobby, my life in New York was one fuck after another in the studio and on the street. I mean, oh, I was I, in the center. I was in the center of the. It was wide open, man. Hey, shit, sex was lovely. Sex was free. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't it, no hate. Exactly. No, and you had and you and you enjoyed it. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it, it's a tough subject to talk about. But I mean, I I still, I mean, there was a t- uh, two years ago, just before my stroke. I mean, I was, uh, I had a porn star living with me, and I had an erotic model as a girlfriend. So, it was yeah. just like you can imagine what life was like in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and good. I don't care. Yeah, good. And I don't care what they do. Honestly, I mean, I don't I don't care what they do as long as they're safe. And that's the only thing. I would mm-hmm. would tell them is that I I had one model, I don't know if I told told you about this in my mail, but I had one model who was um, killed by mm-hmm. a by a date by an escort date. She was mm-hmm. killed by a serial killer who was contracting escorts and then mm-hmm. killing them and then cutting them up, disfiguring them and stealing all of their identification, mm-hmm. their cell phones and stuff. So she became a vic. What happened was she left being an escort, started working as a model at a modeling agency here in Mexico. But she had a really serious drug problem and she was living with me and I I had to go away for an event. And I told her, I said, you know, you, you can't stay here in the house. I can't trust you being in the house because you have such a big drug problem and such a big alcohol problem. So I said, go home with your mom. And when I come back, we'll get back together. So while she was home with her mom, she took that one last job you know, as an escort. Yeah. And, you know, her mom called me after she was missing for a couple of days she, her mom called me and she was like i don't know what happened to her i don't know where he is, where she is and then mm-hmm. she saw in the news that they found a girl uh girl's body unidentified girl's mm-hmm. body and she called up the hotel where it happened and they said you know you got to call the police so mm-hmm. she called the police and then she called me up and she was like oh she's dead mm-hmm. i was like oh my god so yeah uh, i mean there are uh, there are dangers in the industry and not mm-hmm. only with and not only with clients but there's dangers with um, pimps. Yeah. Um, there was a there was a band of Colombian uh, uh, sex traffickers that were grabbing independent escorts as they came out of hotels, their cell phones and threatening them that if they didn't pay the the daily fee that they couldn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, and, so, and you have those guys, and then you have the actual pimps of the girls. You know, if they don't if they're not performing well, 
uh, or they disappear or they get drunk or something and then they get a beating. So there are there are upsides to the business and there are downsides to it. And unfortunately, oh, I, I, try to, I try to focus on the upside, but the downside mm. is important that people know not every prostitute or not every escort that you encounter is going to be doing it of her own free will. There yeah. is the possibility that she could be you know, part of a trafficking thing, but she acts as though it's normal. So unless mm -hmm. you really get to intimately know people like I did um, and actually become a part of their lives, then you really don't know what the story is behind them. Mm -hmm. mm, interesting, interesting. So, yeah, because like I said, I mean, to me, it's interesting that um, in certain countries, because it's funny because even to the fact that with Mexico, it's surprising that they had even made shooting point illegal, be it that they was probably the most lenient when it came to the escort trade anyway, for what I've seen with many of these countries. Oh, um, yeah. You know well, what you know, porn is illegal. porn's illegal in Russia. There's yeah. an example. Porn's illegal in Russia. It's in, in India. Um, technically, it's illegal in uh, Dubai. It's illegal to even talk about sex or anything in the open. Um, they have no access to Twitter. I have a girl in India. I have a model in India, and or she's not in India. She's in Dubai, and she has to use a VPN uh, to connect to her Twitter and her Facebook account and to do cam shows because if they catch her, like they did a couple of girls down the street, you know, I mean, you get arrested, you go to jail for life. So Dubai Damn. is pretty. Yeah, Dubai is pretty strict about that. Like India is, Russia, it's an it's an illegal uh, activity, mm. um, and yeah, sex trafficking in Russia, um, heavy. As, yeah. As, uh, yeah, very heavy. As in Romania, as in uh, Hungary. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of countries that have it. Even I was approached here by a lawyer here in in Mexico. Well, my lawyer did the divorce for another lawyer who happened to be, I guess you would call him a sex trafficker, and. Mm. Uh, so he said, he goes, hey, your 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 you know client that's the photographer, maybe he'd be interested in you know bringing girls from uh, Budapest and Romania to Mexico so that you know we can use them at the tables, you know doing mm -hmm. pole dancing and stuff. But here, pole mm -hmm. dancing in Mexico, these these clubs, they're they're fronts for prostitution. They've got rooms yeah. built into you know cabins out in the back in Cancun, and so you you go in and the girls are all lined up naked at the bar, and you just go and you pick your girls and. You know, you go, you take them to the back room after paying a fee to the, to the table. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, you, you really got to be careful. That's where I first got into the adult industry in Mexico was doing a website and uh, live cams for a, um, for a brothel, for lack of another word, um, mm -hmm. disguised as a, as a table dancing place. And uh, in the outskirts of Cancun, it had cabins in the back. And, you know, in the 1990s, we were coming, we were just coming into the internet in Mexico in the 1990s. And yeah, I had, a yeah, they, it, it was, it, we're, we're behind about 20 years on everything. My, my internet connection is a three megabyte download and a 28 kilobyte upload speed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's what they call, that's what they call fast internet here. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, and, people I wonder, and then people wonder why motherfuckers jumping over the border. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's really crazy here. The infrastructure of internet is just really, is really bad here. So I, I got a satellite internet to connect and to mm. upload the magazine and stuff like that, because I couldn't do it with the internet connection that I have. So I pay mm. per data to upload stuff 
to the to the internet. So I got to be careful what I'm uploading because you can end up paying a couple hundred dollars a month just for internet connection. Jeez. And I have friends in the U.S. that talk about their 1,000 megabyte download speeds and upload speeds for for 20 yeah. bucks, and I'm like, wow. Because it's it's, it's crazy when I like because I I talked to two ladies that's in Romania, and she talks about they talk about how yes like some of the mafia the criminal element do control the cam houses and that a lot even with russia their sex trafficking is they control cam houses you know they do period. yep they do and so absolutely and so 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 it's kind of like when the girls in america don't realize how th- good they really got it compared to some of these other countries Exactly. I mean, I, I have models also in, in Romania that, that have been in the magazine. I, I worked with a cam studio there. And then, of course, later found out that the, that the cam studio was run by the Romanian mafia. And, yeah. and, and here in Mexico, I, I mean, people don't really understand it. Um, Mexicans don't really understand it. Maybe foreigners understand it better. But here in Mexico, we have areas that are controlled by the Russian mob, the Albanian mob, the, uh, yeah. the, the Romanian mob. Just recently, like three months ago, we had a, a shootout in one of the, the big malls here where the Mexican mafia ended up shooting down a couple of the Romanian mafia guys. So, I mean, it's it was really interesting. And there was also an Israeli, uh, what do you call it, Mossad guy that was uh-huh. present as well. So I, in, in Mexico, we have the FBI, we have the Mossad, we have um, the, the what's today, I don't know what they call it now, but it was called the Russian KGB. We, we mm-hmm. have all of that here in Mexico. They're all here. And Interpol is here as well. And Interpol took... Yeah, because, because the cartels is got big, is, is, is big in Mexico. Strong. Oh, yeah. I live right in the heart of the cart, in the right of the heart of the cartel country because it's the least expensive place to live right now. You mm-hmm. can rent a mansion here for, for less than $2,000 a month. Thank yeah, I mean, I, I had that in, in 2017. We, I had a friend that rented me his his mansion. I was paying $1,200 and he had six bedrooms, that three that were suites, giant kitchen, living room, dining room, patio, two-story swimming pool, jacuzzis. I mean, I had everything. I was shooting girls every day there. But then, you know, I, he ended up selling the place because he wasn't, he said, I'm never coming back there again. Mm-hmm. He said, every time, every time I come there, they want to kidnap me. And he was he was American, obviously. He wasn't a Mexican guy. He was an American guy uh, from Michigan. And, and he used to drive down. And that's that's dangerous. Driving yeah. across the border now and trying to get to Mexico City or get into the central Mexico area is dangerous now. The cartels set up roadblocks dressed as military and they they stop the people. And if they like your car, they take it. Not you, but they take it. And mm-hmm. if they see girls, they take the girls. So, I mean, you know, it's like every time now I see on the news or on Twitter feed or something that the girl's missing, a girl disappeared from such and such a place, I, you know, automatically my mind goes to, oh, my God, are we going to find her dead or are we going to find her working as an escort? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it's unfortunate because there are certain areas in Mexico that are very vulnerable to, mm-hmm. to the girls being taken and trafficked. And typically they're brought to tourist destinations like Los Cabos or Cancun, uh, Playa del Carmen, those areas get the most um, sex trafficked girls. But the largest volume, obviously, is in Mexico City, where you'll find thousands of them. You know, just there's a couple of streets you could drive down in Mexico City, and there's hundreds of girls at night with their pimps out there, the police are out there. And even though it's illegal, the police are involved in it because they take their kickbacks from it and everything. So how how much is the cartel involved in the porn industry down there? 
as far as I can tell, they're not involved in it on this side of the in, on this side of the West Coast, like from mm -hmm. Guadalajara onto this side. I know my friend um, that does the porn. I know he doesn't. Uh, he he doesn't. He's got the biggest, and he's not involved with them. Mm -hmm. And then, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to hit them if they ever knew how much money he was making. Air come out of them. He'd be, yeah, he, he, they, he'd be violated. He'd be raped, you know, big time because they, they, if they find out what you're making, it happened where I live here to the gym that I was, that I go to. And, you know, it was, we paid 300 pesos a month, which was $15. So we paid $15 a month to go to the gym and uh, the cartel show, just showed up and they were like, okay, let me see how many people we've been watching. We know how many people are going in and out. We know this is how much you're making. So this is how much you have to give us. You know, otherwise we're just going to come and burn you down. So it's just, so, it's just crazy how strong the cartel has more pulled than the government itself. Oh yeah, <laughs> the cartel and the government are in bed together. I mean, the, the new president here is a so he's a he's a communist, but he's disguised as a socialist. He's mm -hmm. working in conjunction with Russia, with Cuba, with China, and Venezuela. Uh, to mm -hmm. bring in like a dictatorship into Mexico as well. And so he's trying to make a lot of changes in that respect. And there's not a lot of resistance because he appeals to the the lower class people, the people that don't have any work, the people that are older, the people that, that can't afford to even buy a car. It's because if you get to put, there's more poor people than rich people. Exactly. So when you've got, you know, 40 million poor people and you've got less than 500,000, you know, rich people, you know what they call rich. We used to have a middle. We, we didn't have a middle class in Mexico back in the 80s. In the 90s, we started evolving. And when the year 2000, when the millennium started in the year 2000, we had a reserve of cash. We were becoming a financial power in the mm -hmm. world. And you know, apart from that, our we had a middle class, which we never had before. So. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I say we because, you know, being being here, living here and everything for so many years, I feel like I'm a part of the country. And my wife is my wife that I actually married is uh, she's from Mexico. You know, we, we've been separated for like 20 years now. But um, but yeah, she's she was from Mexico. So she she knows the the whole story. She even had a family member that was in politics, but which was mm -hmm. one of the reasons we chose Mexico over another country was, was for mm -hmm. that. And, and it wasn't a bad decision at the time, but it would be a bad decision now for anybody. If you yeah. have disposable American income, like if, if you were working off of the internet and you ha didn't have to be present anywhere and you could live out of country, then Mexico is a great place to come to and just to enjoy it. Because if you were making $2,000 a month, if you had $2,000 a month, like a fucking King here, Mm-hmm. Even in Canada, they find you out you make thousand, they go come see you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the the advantage, well, there's advantages and disadvantages. If you're like me, a blonde hair, blue eyed dude, and yeah. uh, you're going around on the streets where there's nothing but you know, but dark skinned people, you know, yeah. uh, you stick out, you yeah. know. And if you if you dress up, you know, like I I was always told from the day I arrived in Mexico, don't dress up. Don't wear mm -hmm. jewelry. Get rid of all your jewelry. Get rid of all that. So I, I don't go out unless I'm going to an event or something. I don't put on any kind of jewelry. I don't dress up. I don't, you know, I, I wear a pair of torn up jeans, broken sneakers, and a and a t-shirt. That's how I go out on the street. Dang. And, and and yeah, and and I can walk the street like that, and people don't pay me a mind. But if I'm walking around, I'm wearing a nice suit. I've got nice pants on, designer shoes. I'm a target. I'm I'm a target. I'm a kidnapping target, which goes on all the time here. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just it was something I learned when I first came to Mexico, you know, 26 years ago. Don't don't dress up. Now, this is a question I'm going to ask you. All right, Go ahead. Because it, 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 we, we, we about to segue away from this. Magazines has became lost because it used to be time where that was the main. What made you decide to do a magazine in a post magazine era? Um, because I still think that there's a market for the magazines, but just not for print. Okay. That's the, that's the thing. That's why I didn't do a print magazine. Now there are, there are still print magazines out there. I mean, if you know, Playboy, Playboy, uh, has always been a print magazine. You could get it in mail at your home. You could buy mm-hmm. it at the newsstand. You could buy it at uh, grocery stores and stuff. But you know, year a few, a couple of years ago, Playboy said, Hey, we're going to just evolve to a digital magazine. And mm-hmm. they started promoting that concept, but the sales weren't enough digitally to support canceling the print magazine. So they went back to doing the print edition. It was just like when Playboy uh, started doing their evolution from erotica and mm-hmm. semi-nude to nude and then back to erotica again. And now they say, OK, well, we're going to separate. We're going to make Playboy Plus and that's going to be hardcore shit. And we're going to make, you know, Playboy, which is going to be the mainstream stuff that we've always done. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there is a market for it. And I know, like, for example, there are magazines on my publisher that are selling $400,000 a month in in uh, in sales. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I have hopes that the magazine will, will, you know, will take off and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I yeah, think but- that in, in magazines, we don't we also aren't affected as much. Um, yeah. by people stealing our content and publishing it for free someplace, you know, yeah, because true. we're a magazine. So we're, we're, you know, it's like porn people, you know, pay, they get a subscription, they download a whole bunch of shit from your website. And the next thing, you know, all of your full videos are on X videos, you know, mm-hmm. porn hub don't allow it anymore, but X videos still does. Oh, X videos don't. Oh, oh, X videos about to stop that too. Well, I, I hope they I'm do all, because, because we were saying the reason why I said that, because now they didn't kicked off people unless you actually signed up for their program, they kicked you off. And now they also starting to offer clip sales as well as membership. Oh, okay. On top of the premium. So oh, they, the I, red, I, I, yeah. Yeah, in the red. Cause I was telling people the days of you just posting a video online on these sites are over because of MasterCard and Visa really Clamp, which not even they were clamping down it was the sites themselves decided to clamp down because they don't want to go at odds with mastercard and visa anymore well, of course yeah and everybody everybody in the adult industry started battling with mastercard and visa recently again like only fans was going to shut down uh, adult content because they said mastercard and visa's regulations and stuff were going to be a problem so mm-hmm. yeah and see, too, also, these companies are moving towards more of a live camera base, less content. Oh, of course. I'm yeah. starting to notice that, and, too. And I think one of the problems is, like, in particular, I've seen it on Chatterbait, not so much on, uh, for example, Live Jasmine or Strip Chat. But on Chatterbait, you see the people that, that do the camp, that sign up for the cam shows, and they record the show, and then, and then they post it on X videos. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's just not good. Yeah. Which is, which 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 is kind of similar to why Facebook did algorithm shit. It makes them money because they get paid from these tube sites for putting that shit up there. Especially because it's not necessarily an individual; it's the actual company. 
That's my exactly. Yeah, well, because... it's the well I yeah. think it's also the, the cost because yeah. in Chatterbait, the cost is far less than on live Jasmine or strip chat. You know, mm -hmm. these, these people aren't going to go and they're not going to pay for an hour of a show, you know, at $6 an hour, 60 minutes, you're talking about 360 bucks. You're not going to do that just to record a video, mm -hmm. you know, and, and post it for free on, on X videos. Yeah. So with your erotic mag, you say you have video with it, correct? In, in skin mag, we can upload video, but in okay. uh, Zinio, we can't. Okay. Then. So with the videos, um, which is interesting because, like you said, it be it that it's part of the skin mag, which I don't think people can really download the videos nowhere, correct? They can't. I mean, they could do a full screen thing and and record it on QuickTime. Not that I want to give away any any tips or anything, but you know, literally, if you have QuickTime, you can you can go to full screen mode and just have it record it. But mm. it's not like downloading the video. You're recording it on the screen resolution that you have. So if you're watching on your <laughs> iPad or on your telephone, you're not going to get you know, quality, kind of quality. exactly. Yeah, whoever they're going into the movie theater with a beat with a uh, a camcorder and recording the movie, <laughs> exactly. You remember those days in the 70s? Yeah. The, guys, the guys sitting there with their camcorder in the in the movie theater watching the watching it and recording it, and then they then they sell it. <laughs> it's bootleg, got this piece of you, you, people getting in the yeah. middle of it, you hear people talking in the background. You, yeah, the guy oh gets corn and stuff. I remember one, oh. there was an episode of something. It was one with the guy throwing popcorn at the guy with the camera. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah. Right. And boot, bootleg uh, DVDs, bootleg CDs, and bootleg uh, uh, cassettes were a big thing in Mexico back in the day. You could go yeah. into any local, you could go into any local market and buy bootleg anything for 20 pesos, which was at the time was probably a buck 80. Mm-hmm. And you could you could get anything you want from porno to, to mainstream uh movies. I, I even saw stuff that was recorded off of a television set. Guy set up a camcorder in on a tripod in front of his TV and was recording, and his kid ran by a couple times. Mm. I mean that's oh the problem God. with boot, that's the problem with bootleg. Yeah. But yeah, ma magazines I think will make a comeback. Uh, and I mean it's the I think the hardest thing about having a magazine is having enough sales to sell marketing you know to other companies and marketing is where playboy and penthouse and hustler they make their money they don't make their money off of sales they make it off of no. the millions uh you know that they sell to the car companies to the truck companies to the alcohol you know all that kind of stuff advertisement yeah yeah selling advertising i mean i i offer the advertising i sell it but you know it's like it's a very humble price compared to the competition, you know, obviously. I mean, there's even a little guy here in Florida that I shot for a little magazine um, a few years ago. I shot for him and he sells his publicity like for a one one quarter page ad, six hundred dollars for one insert. And mm -hmm. I mean, he he sells less than I do. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I can't imagine that the people actually are paying that kind of money. Well, part of the reason why, because. To a lot of people, the magazine genre is dead. You know what I'm saying? Even though yeah. Playboy has made it digital and they also still do film. So they still relevant in this day and age, which which, which makes them get that money. 
And so um, is Penthouse now and, and Hustler. Yeah. All the main all the mainstream adult magazines now and a lot of the ones that you've never heard of before in your life are are available digitally apart from being available in your local market. You know, yeah. but they may not they're not cutting as many issues. They're not cutting as many uh, issues of the magazine from each from each run. You know, like Playboy mm. in the past maybe ran four million copies to be distributed and sold. Yeah. And now maybe they run a million. <laughs> it, it, it might be less than that now, if you want to be it, honest. It, it might be less than that now, but I'm just saying that that's the imagine. Imagine 25 percent mm-hmm. of a run compared mm-hmm. to the 1970s or the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Now here's a question I wanted to ask: Does video helps to sell the mag? I think it does. And and Skin Mags wanted me to convert the magazine to a video publication to put more videos. Like if I have five girls in the uh, in the edition, they want at least three videos to go with the girls. And they said that will sell the magazine more. And I'm like, mm-hmm. bro, I'm not even doing video anymore. I stopped doing video because during the pandemic, I sold my equipment. You know, I sold mm-hmm. my video equipment. I'm not I'm not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, until I get back to the U.S. and actually start you know, generating funds again, I, I'll go back into video and I'll start doing, you know, lifestyle nude videos to go with the shoots that we do. Because I mean, that was my original format was lifestyle nudes. Mm-hmm. It typically was from, you know, a third of the shots were the girl dressed or in lingerie, you know, at a, at a location or in bed. And then after that, you know, one third were undressed or semi, semi-dressed. And then after that was all nude and, you know, and, you know, touching herself or girl on girl, whatever it may be. But, you know, I, I evolved from that to, to for sales and I don't see the fruits of it. So I'm, I'm probably going to go back to where it was before. If I sold the mm-hmm. same amount or less, now than I did when I was doing just erotica, it, it, mm-hmm. it's a sign that maybe erotica is the way to go instead of going mainstream porn. Because mm-hmm. porn, porn concept, you're really, you're really battling with play with the uh, hustler, with cherry, yeah. with chick, with Barry legal, barely legal, and those. Those are the ones you're competing with, because they've mm-hmm. got you know full porn scenes that were shot you know by a photographer while the porn was going on, and so mm-hmm. they've got material to to. You know, and it's it's porn. I mean, literally, it's it's, it's you know triple X porn. You've got mm-hmm. you know barely legal girls that are getting penetrated by two or three guys at the same time. You know, who's taking mm-hmm. it in the ass? Who's taking it? You know, in the mouth, and and that's that's going to beat out my magazine's porn any day right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. So, which I'm pretty sure once you make the move to the United States and become more established, that probably would change because you'll be able to get those type scenes. Exactly. So be, especially be it that is legal over here versus in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, and I and I saw that a lot of the a lot of the producers from California are moving down to Atlanta, uh, and yeah. also to Texas, and also to Texas, um, because of the regulations in California and because of the cost of living in California. I mean, cost of yeah. living and cost of moving girls around from other parts of the country is expensive. Atlanta mm-hmm. is definitely a more economic opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and plus and also more people travel to Atlanta than because everybody comes through Atlanta. It's it New York, Atlanta, and then of course uh, Houston, Miami. Yeah, in Miami. Miami. Yep. Yeah. So 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 basically, it makes sense because, like I said, I just named off like three to four people just in the Atlanta area. You know, what I'm saying and all the shit for them, they know people 
So it's like you going to Atlanta, it'll be a treasure trove for you. Yeah, and apart from that, there's, and there's still a lot of Latin content to be made in Atlanta. I've already yeah. been in contact with a bunch of girls from Venezuela, girls from Mexico, from Brazil. I mean, there's a very large Latino community in yeah. in Atlanta, and the th- but the two areas that I really wanted to focus on. I mean, I what I haven't had in the magazine as of yet is a girl of color, other than Latin. Yeah, and I'm I'm missing the girls of color. I mean, I've offered it to a couple, um, but nobody were take nobody were takers. We did have a couple of girls here in Mexico that were mm-hmm. visiting. You know, and they came for the expo show and stuff, but they didn't want to. Uh, they wanted big money up front to do the to do the shoot, and I, I just wasn't doing my model. Oh, no. But just as a side note, my models don't get paid for doing the shoot up front. They get a part of the sales each month for two years. So mm-hmm. every time we sell their issue of the magazine, they get a ten percent share of that money for two years. We found well, see, that some of the, I know that black, they wouldn't mind doing the man because they know the exposure they would bring. Exactly. Yeah. And apart from the you know, fact that we promote yeah. it big, big time on Twitter, we promote it on Facebook, we promote it on, on Instagram, but obviously not, uh, you know, explicit content on, on Facebook and Instagram. And we also work with big promoters on Twitter, with big influencers that have a million, a million and a half followers. And they drop it into their groups. And so the promotion is big. I had this girl, Andrina, that was in the Ink mm-hmm. Girls edition. She had 163,000 followers. And mm-hmm. when we finished the first month of the magazine, she was at 185,000. So she grew her account significantly from being in the magazine and being promoted and all that. And then uh, before that, in 2019, I had a, a girl who was an escort. She had 30... I think she had, no, she had 64,000 followers. And mm-hmm. when we finished doing her issue, she, we, I shot her and another girl at a special location. When we mm-hmm. got done, she had 102,000 followers. Mm-hmm. And today now, now, got- now, the other thing I can say is a lot of girls do content trade. You being a camera guy and a photographer, I'm pretty sure you'll be able to get a lot of content trade out of a lot of people. Oh, of course. Looking for a cameraman to work with, you know, and the whole nine. So that might help you a whole lot trading content are you willing to trade content oh yeah of course i'm i'm i try to be the not the most flexible person in the world but i try to be very flexible in all aspects of photography i don't try Mm -hmm. to make a mint off of everybody i think everybody whether they have money in their pocket or not deserves to have quality content shot and so if you can do it for trade if you want to do it for trade if you want to do it for you know a lesser amount of money i'm open to talk I'm open mm-hmm. to see what we can do to, to, to get it together. If you want to, if you need content for your only fans or you want to do it for your, your, you know, for another website, I've got no problem. Just talk to me. P- if people here in Mexico are afraid to talk to you because nobody wants to negotiate. Yeah. But I, I, I like to, I like to be flexible. I like to say, you know, Hey, you want to trade for image. You've got a good image. I like your look. It doesn't have anything to do with followers with me. When I tell you, yeah. Bobby, you can have 20 followers, but if I like your look or if I like the theme of your project or what you're mm-hmm. doing, I'm on. I mean, I'm do it. Mm-hmm. Talk to me. Let's work it out. And see, too, that's also a true photographer because you're looking for the beauty. You go exactly. Man. And apart from that, it's a passion. When it, when it becomes a mm-hmm. job and not a passion, it's no longer fun. Yeah, that's why I retired <laughs> from the board game. <laughs> It, 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 I lost the passion. It wasn't funny for me because the stuff they had to go through and 
dealing with the girls, trying to find girls to work with, and, and the whole night, and living in the area where girls just don't frequent or come through. And then the girls well, in I, the state, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, and, and plus the girls in the state, they didn't want to collaborate. You know exactly. what I'm saying? So, so it's kind of like. And that's the same thing here. You know, it's sometimes it's economics. Like, you know, I, I had a girl call for an, uh, for uh, a shoot yesterday. She called me up and she's like, well, how much would you charge me to do 15, you know, four wardrobe changes? I said, look, I'll shoot you a really good deal. You know, and she was an escort, obviously. So mm -hmm. she was, I was like, I'll shoot you a good deal. You come here to my studio and, and I'll do it for you for, for 85 bucks. But if mm -hmm. I have to come to Mexico City and we shoot on a location, I got to charge you 300 I mean, I just, and she was pretty tall girl, blonde hair, blue eyes. And I said, you know, I said, you come here and I'll shoot you for 85 bucks. And she was like, oh, I don't want to travel the 90 minutes to get to where you're at. And I'm like, well, that's, mm. that's the deal. So if you want me to shoot you, then I'll do it there. She was like, well, you, you came recommended by a bunch of people. And I was like, well, that's good. I'm glad. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, but I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay to travel to Mexico city pay for the location and shoot her for free. I mean, it's just, it's just, for what you yeah. telling me, yeah, you missing your life to go shoot the motherfucker. Well, yeah. And most of the time, you know, before I would have, I used to go down to Mexico city every week for three days. I would stay in Mexico city, pay for the hotel and look for girls and I mm -hmm. would get them. And I, and I had constant work and I would charge them, uh, uh, to cover my hotel because I had other income. I had a shitload of income from fashion, from catalogs, and from uh, and from shooting weddings. And then when all of that stopped in 2000, basically stopped in 2019 for me, um, and it started slowing down in 2018 for some reason. When that started mm -hmm. slowing down, I had to start charging. You know, it's like okay, mm -hmm. I, I can't do this for free anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in the beginning yeah. of the magazine, when we had just the website. I didn't do the shoots for free. I used to charge the girls $300 to do the shoot and get publicity. Mm -hmm. And, but I had a big social media presence and I was well known in the industry. I was, I was interviewed by G by GQ and by Esquire in nice. 2016 for my work and for the magazine. And a lot of it was centered around the escort industry. And I would mm -hmm. take, I would take a couple of my primary girls to the, to the interviews and the guys loved it. You know, they would be like, Oh wow, yeah. Can we talk to the girls too? I said, yeah, sure, talk. And and mm -hmm. it was good. You know, it, it was good exposure. But after that, my business of non-adult stuff dropped because there I was in two mainstream magazines, being the king of photography for escorts, and being an erotic photographer shooting porn and and attending the expos and stuff like that. So business just sort of like started slanting off in the non-adult industry after that. And here, mm -hmm. the adult industry isn't enough money to sustain you. Yeah. It just, it just isn't the reality. Most definitely. So yes, I'm going to bring you back for later episodes, people, because I think y'all really enjoy hearing his conversation. This dude be talking about some real shit here, and I love it. You know, yeah, and I love being stuff. on. I'm, I'm glad I could share share some time with your audience. Most definitely, most definitely. So tell everybody where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter. Um, you can find me as erotism mags m-a-g-z or you can find me on instagram under the same the same name uh i'm on facebook as erotism ezine and you mm -hmm. can cut you can catch me there and we're mm -hmm. on zinio zinio.com 
uh, go to the adult section. We're on the, the first page of the adult section because of the popularity right now of the magazine, mm-hmm. uh, because it's, it's sorted by popularity. Oh, send me all those links. Send me all those I will. Links. I'll send you all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right exactly. now, I'm going to get off and shoot a wedding. <laughs> okay, then most definitely. So waiting for that when you get done with your wedding. So with that being said, people, he will be back. We will have Mr. Frank Stoltz. Did I say your name correct? Kevin Stoltz. Kevin Stoltz. We'll have Mr. Kevin Stoltz back for later episodes because he's now officially a smoke buddy. I now have a smoke buddy in Mexico. Who you do have a smoke buddy in Mexico, my brother. And, and and a magazine editor, which some of the girls that hear these episodes going to want to bug me to try to them in his magazine. We'll see what we can do about that. Cause and I you, got some- you, hooked, you hooked me up there, Bob. You hooked me up with them girls. No doubt, no doubt. I got some black girls that I think you would love to shoot for sure. I'm sure. So, I I miss my black girls from New York. I mean, I really do. <laughs> I, I I had two I had two favorites back then. One was a mix of Vietnamese and black. You know, her mm-hmm. dad was a was black. Her mom was Vietnamese from the Vietnam era. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, she was she was tall. She had this really tight Jerry curl right down to her hair, like a military cut. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, she showed up in my studio the first time wearing a black cat suit and high Ooh. boots and that wasn't for an adult shoot that was for something else um and we be and we just became friends with benefits and then there was another girl china who worked mm. the street around there and china and i we 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 had a thing man we we had this thing going on and then you know eventually these girls disappear so unfortunately it's only memories now word that's what i'm talking about so people yep. you know how we end this Life is a learning experience. That's the point experience. You didn't learn anything. Smoke that over. Thank you, Mr. Stoltz, for coming to the Thank house. you. Thank you, Mr. Lucas. It was a pleasure being here. And he will be back. Trust me on that. And I will come again. No and doubt. again. And again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later, man. Enjoy your photo. Okay, my man. Gracias. <laughs>